storied franchise. And the New York Islanders have won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. All-time NHL greats. And he caught that over the line. Goes to the left side, shoots and scores! He is all alone as the leading NHL goal-scoring defenseman. Tonelli to Nystrom, he scores! This is Talkin' Isles with Greg Picker and Corey Wright. We welcome you into another edition of Talkin' Isles, the New York Islanders' official interview-based podcast. I'm Greg Picker, radio color commentator for the team, joined alongside by senior writer for NewYorkIslanders.com, Corey Wright. And Corey, we welcome in Brad Boyce to this week's episode. Spent uh, time with seven different NHL teams, but... His one year with the Islanders was a memorable one. 2012-13, the Islanders made their run to the playoffs and ended a six-year postseason drought, and the Coliseum was buzzing for that playoff series against the Penguins. Really fun chat with Brad Boys, and like you said, he only had one year on the island, but it was a pretty impactful one, a pretty fun season. Also, he came across a lot of different Islanders in his time in the NHL, so even though he only had that one year on the island, still got to talk to him about a lot of Former Islanders, guys like Tim Connolly, Leo Komarov, Chris Campoli. So a well-traveled NHL career, a really fun chat with Brad Boys. And we'll take it away with Brad. Boys shoots, he scores! Brad Boys has given the Islanders a one nothing lead. We now welcome in Brad Boys to the Talking Isles podcast. Brad was a part of a memorable season in 2012-13. The lockout short near for the Islanders, but a, a fun run towards the end of the year, all the way into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Brad, thank you so much for joining us here on the pod. No problem. No problem. It should be fun. All right. So let's go uh, way back. I did find an old story that said when you were growing up, even though you're a, a Toronto area guy, you were really an Ottawa Senators fan as a kid. And, and they weren't around until you were about 10 years old. So do you remember what, what made you a Sens fan rather than a Leafs fan? Yeah. Well, growing up, it was different where you had the Hockey Night in Canada. You watched essentially one game where they have double headers didn't have the NHL package like they did today. So that's what we watched mostly. But for me, I played for the Mississauga senators when I was younger. So being part of the senators team, that kind of led me to being uh, following the Ottawa senators. And I had some family, my mom's from Ottawa and I had some family up there. So maybe I was just being a bit of a devil's advocate against all my buddies who are all hugely fans but I definitely followed the Leafs, but it was nice when the Ottawa would beat them. I'd, uh, you know, kind of cheer and, and rub it in a little bit more. I know that became a pretty intense rivalry, especially though, I think when you were off in Erie for junior, but you know, we wanted to ask about your time in Erie, obviously some pretty successful seasons there. You guys go win an OHL championship, but also you played with a couple of guys that wound up being Islanders and Tim Connolly and Chris Campoli. So any memory of those guys for Islander fans? For sure. So I played with Tim my first year, and I was an underager. He was 17. And then after that season, he ended up getting drafted and ended up making a team. But during that year, I was, you know, I was kind of still pretty green and didn't really uh, know what to expect. And, and Timmy was, was great with me, kind of. He had been an underager the year before, so he kind of helped me out. And then we ended up playing together. And I had never seen somebody with, with hands like, like Timmy. He was doing stuff that... They kind of started doing maybe, you know, four or five years ago, putting stuff through their feet and stuff. The odd guy would do that here and there. But back in junior, Tim was doing it, you know, shooting the puck. Guys would shoot the puck through their legs. He was going behind both feet and shooting the puck. Like, it was just – he was so far ahead 
with his hands. So it was amazing. And I got to play with him, had, you know, had a good season. We were, we played really well together. Obviously he was, he was a great player. And uh, with that ended up getting a, uh, become a high draft pick, but um, it was just, it, it, it was tough the second year because, you know, I was keeping in touch with him at training camp and, you know, he wasn't coming back and he's like, Oh yeah, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And then he didn't come back. And so we really expected him to be back. And I was looking forward to playing him with him again. And he ended up making a team and, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, things went on from there, but he was such a good player and he was a good guy because he just took care of me as an underager, which, which was great. Helped me out a lot, especially as a 16 year old. I remember, you know, we would go and as, uh, again, for me, I was so young that, guys had beards and I didn't really, you know, I'd never really shaven much. So I was a little intimidated. I had full cage and I would half visors and all this stuff. And I remember Tim was like, don't worry. And he was like, uh, you know, if there's any scrums or anything, just, just drop your gloves and grab somebody and don't worry. No one will touch you. We'll make sure, you know, guys are in there. And, you know, we had, we had some pretty tough guys too. And Tim didn't, didn't do much of that, but anytime somebody kind of came around me, he was one of the first guys in there. So it just gave me that freedom and that flexibility to kind of play my game, which was huge. And I, I think that helped me a lot. But yeah, every little thing, he just, he was so good at just really taking care of me and making sure that I learned how to play the, the, the game properly and was able to play my game. So, so that was huge. Um, I played with Campy and then Rupert too. I think Mike Rupp ended up, he was a draft pick, pretty high draft pick uh, for the Island. And I don't think he ended up playing, but we had a couple of years, back-to-back years that there were high draft picks for the Islanders. Uh, Rupper was great. Obviously, he played in Jersey for a bit and won the cup there. And then, uh, yeah, for Campy, Campy, he's a, <laughs> so he was kind of the opposite. He ended up, was younger than me when I came in. So, you know, as, as I was having a few years under my belt, got to try to help him out a little bit as well and, and try to take care of him uh, as best I could. But he was, you know, different personality. He was a much bigger personality and uh, could play the game, obviously, really well. And uh, still keep in touch with him today. You know, he's he's a really good dude. He's a good, good buddy of mine. You know, it was nice. So when I went to the Islanders, I got to talk to him for a bit, and I actually rented a place through one of our buddies um, who we still keep in touch with too, Joey Cat. I think a lot of guys rented places from him. But Campy was kind of a guy who put me in touch with him. So I, I rented his place, and it was a fantastic setup. And so it was nice to have those those kind of connections before I ended up playing there and had a little bit of an idea what I was getting into. So 2002, your last year junior, you end up winning the OHL title, 41 points in 21 playoff games for you. You went on to the Memorial Cup, couldn't take that home as well, but to win an Ontario Hockey League championship, what did that mean to to the team, to you, and how about the city of Erie, Pennsylvania? Yeah, it was awesome. The team, I think, was, I think they just did their anniversary. Couldn't get down there, unfortunately, um, 25th anniversary. So I think it was about four years, three or four years before I got there was when they first, when they had moved to Erie. So it's still a relatively young franchise in, in that city. And for us, it was great. Like our first year with Timmy and those guys, we you know, had done well, got to the playoffs, but kind of stuck, didn't go much farther than that. And every year we kind of just got better. We got to the second round my second year, third year, got to our third round. Then the last year we ended up winning it. And just to kind of see, you realize going, going here, I didn't know what to expect, going down the States. Uh, going to school down there, living down there, everything like that was was going to be kind of new to me. Not a huge lifestyle change, but but different um, than growing up in Canada. So you had uh, in Erie, which was a big football, big high school football town. Uh, so you had the two high school football um, teams that 
they'd have a rivalry game and it would be you know, 10,000 people. It was, it was kind of crazy. So, so that was very different for me. I never even got to experience anything like that. High school sports up in Canada is uh, not close to, to that popularity. Um, so there's some things that was definitely interesting down there, but what, what I really learned and as we went along and the seasons went, uh, the crowds, you know, got bigger and, but you realize, again, we had some, some tough guys and they like, they like the fighting and, you know, we had some boards there that were very loud and, you know, very generous, I guess, when it came to you're bumping a guy out and it sounds like a big hit. So they kind of go crazy, but you really realize they were, uh, they loved the team. So it didn't really, you know, they liked when we won, but they were just huge supporters of the team. You went there, it was cheap to go there. Beers were cheap. So they go watch a game, get banged up, get real loud. From my understanding, it was a pretty intense uh, atmosphere there from for visiting teams I've heard you know throwing stuff and there was a couple fights in the stand a couple fights with other teams so it was uh it was a great place to play they embraced us really well I still keep in touch with my billets that I lived down there with and it just it's great to see I guess they just had 25th anniversary so 25 years later they're still got a team and have some good support which is nice so looking back at the World Juniors you're a part of as well, I'm looking at some of these Canadian teams. I'm seeing names like Mike Camilleri, Alex Ald, Danny Heatley, and I'm looking just at the tournament as a whole, and it seems like the last man standing is Jason Spezza, but uh, it's pretty incredible he's still playing. You can consider that you know, he was in those World Juniors. But what are your, what are your memories from playing on those uh, Canadian teams back in the day? Again, very – it was great because now you're you're playing with guys that – you know, you have all-star games, but now you're kind of going through an all-star team throughout, you know, three leagues. And, you know, like you mentioned, Camilleri with, in college. So you got these guys that I played with, with uh, or played against Mike growing up. So I knew him really well. So you got these guys. And then Steve Ott, I, I played uh, minor hockey with Steve Ott. And then he ended up going to played in Windsor. So I played against him there. I remember with him, he was, I think we were like eight, nine years old. And we played on the same team and went to school together. And he was the same kid at eight, nine that he was in the NHL. You know, he was a rat, he's sticking guys, he's, you know, yelling at guys. It's like, this kid's eight years old. And he's, the guy's just, he was a madman, but he was a great player. And even at recess, we used to fight all the time. Cause we playing, I was in the French immersion. He was in English. We played ball hockey together and we were always getting into it. And then I'd go to his house and we'd go to the games. Dad was coaching, so he'd drive us. So it was just, it was weird. So you got to kind of, you know, rekindle with a guy like that, um, which was great. You get the guys... You mentioned Jared Stoll, guys that have done really well and eventually go on to do really well, have good seasons and uh, have good careers. So there was just like, you know, kind of where you fit in. There's so many good players. Your role might not necessarily be the role that you want to be or that you're used to. So kind of, so my first year was more like that, where I made the team, I guess a 19 year old uh, or 18 year olds and there were 19 year olds there. So it was more figuring out my role. And then the following year I had, a bigger role, I guess, and was able to contribute a little bit more. And then playing with, with guys like, you know, Rick Nash and, you know, Spez and, and those guys. So it was, unfortunately, we didn't win. That was, you know, the toughest pill to swallow. But um, it was such an amazing experience. And now, even to this day, talking about when I got to, you know, it kind of brings me back to when I played in Russia for our first World Juniors and, and kind of what that was like and how the city was and how the people were and just very different than the way that we grew up. Um, so you had the hockey aspect of it, plus you got to travel and, and, you know, they took care of us really well. So we got to travel nicely and, 
Um, but you still got to experience some of the these cities and and uh, got to see them in you know in a nice way. Like I said, they just they took care of us really well. So and then again, like the hockey, hockey was great, and you get to keep in touch with some of these guys over the years. And uh, it's just playing with them that you won't play with, and you're typically just like that year Jared Stahl we played against them in the uh, Memorial Cup, and you know we ended up losing to them, but. So it's just those friendships you kind of really make, and uh, it's nice to play with guys that you know everybody is, is so talented. So you were a first round pick of the your hometown Leafs in two thousand, but bounced around a little bit, dealt to San Jose. You played one NHL game with the Sharks before moving on to Boston. But look back at that game; it's a tough one. You lost four nothing, but almost a hundred penalty minutes combined between the two teams. Do you have a a welcome to the NHL moment from that wild one? Yeah, I. Uh... You know, I'd been traded to San Jose from the Leafs, which was tough. You know, I had four years in Erie, so I kind of had the, you know, the mindset, and you're kind of ingrained in, you know, this is the family thing. We're going to make sure that, you know, you're part of this. And so then I get traded, and it was it was tough pill to swallow. I didn't didn't really expect it. Then you get there, and the same message always goes, you know, we're going to be part of the team. You're 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 a big part of this trade, and so forth. So finally, I get my chance. I get called up, and it's. I'm like, finally, I made it. I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm in the NHL. This is great. First game, I think I was with one of the guys that I got called up with. And then I think Patty Marlowe was our other line mate. And I get scored on. Our, my first two shifts, I get scored on. And I'm like, and we're in Dallas. And it was, you know, they had, for sure they had like, uh, yeah, Medano would be there. I remember him and Zuboff going on a two-on-one. It was like, it was like a video game. These guys were like snap around. It was unreal. I was, you know, very hot. Um, my eyes were really wide open on that. So getting scored on my first two shifts and being my, so I was like, okay, well, I can't get much worse than this. So then after that, it, it really actually helped me kind of relax and just kind of go out there and try to play my game, not be too nervous because again, what else are they going to do score again? Well, it's already happened a couple of times. So that really, I just remember that being, I remember a couple of the scrums too, which resulted in some of the penalty minutes. As you guys know, I wasn't big into the rough stuff too much, but I remember being in a couple you know, shelling matches or whatever, as you call it, but it was just a, it was a great experience and I was really, really excited. I, I get traded two days later, unfortunately. <laughs> so my, 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 the start of my career in, in, in San Jose was very short lived, but it was, it was, again, it was a game that, uh, that really stuck out to me. And like I said, it was good because it, it kind of calmed me down to just play the game. I'm sure not a lot of guys can say they got traded for Owen Nolan, though. So if you're going to get traded, I guess that's a pretty good name to see go back the other way. But, like, it's you know, like it's that's the biggest thing. Even when I played my last year at the Leafs, I don't know how many people knew I was actually on the team. But they hear my name, it's like, oh, you got traded from Owen Nolan. Worst trade ever. Like, you know, hate that trade. That's pretty much what I'm known for in Toronto is, is being in that trade. And uh, most people don't like it. Really? Okay. I, I thought, did he not have a good career when he got to Toronto or I thought, cause he was so good in San Jose for so long. What kind of happened there? I don't think he, and that's a thing. Like he was such a good player. Um, you know, all-star guy was, guy was amazing. And I don't think that he was able to live up to that in Toronto as much as the, the fans were expecting to. And then, you know, we traded a first round pick myself, Alan McCauley. And then I had, you know, done well, you know, after, because then I think he resigned for another year or two, but then when I went, uh, you know, had a good rookie season in Boston and, and things like that. I think that really, that really kind of got got snowballed into, you know, 
the story around here. And uh, that's kind of now what, what people think about. So, you know, he might've had a great year. He might've scored this, he might've, you know, been tough and, and done all this stuff, but it's, you know, whatever the narrative, the narrative is, people will kind of just remember that. So not that I get recognized or anything much, but my name definitely more so. And that would, that's the biggest association is, uh, you know, being part of that trade. And every time they're like, Oh, that's the worst, that was the worst trade ever. That's what people say. So Honestly, I had no idea because all I can think of when I think of Owen Nolan is calling the shot in the All-Star game back in, I think, 97 or 98. So, yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, Brad, you moved on to the Bruins organization in, in 2004, 2005. You played in Providence, but that was the NHL lockout. So that had to be a much different AHL type of season. You had a lot of personal success, 75 points in any game. So how much different was that year than kind of some other AHL seasons because you had a lot more – NHL tweeners and just looking at the roster guys you played with a lot of Islander connections there as well Keith the coin who you played with in in 12 13 Andy Hilbert Milan Yurchina but also Brent Thompson who ended up being an assistant coach and also of course a longtime coach with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers that was his last year playing professional hockey what was Tomer like as a player and a teammate he was the craziest guy that I'd ever played with by far like he was he was nuts he would I, I think it was in training camp that I remember going down down on a one on one and he just got in there and I had been traded there the previous year. So I had, you know, maybe a month under my belt, knew some knew some of the guys and stuff. And it just the first one on one, like a two hander right across my wrist. I'm like, who's this guy? And I didn't really know much of him, but I got to learn about him pretty quickly. And uh this guy was insane. Like he he was a great again, he was the craziest guy I played with. We had a guy on our team, um, really funny guy. Brendan Walsh, guy was guy was a character. He was one of our tough guys, uh, a huge character, and he'd always, you know, you could tell when Tomer was getting into it because he'd have his beaver teeth. You know, he had no front teeth, and he had, you know, he had all these new teeth in. And uh, when he kind of got going, he just, you know, his lip got curled up, and he had his beaver teeth showing. And it was, you know, he was ready to spear somebody or slash them. Or I remember he guys would go to hit him, and he throw his elbow up, elbow guys in the head, cross like anything. Like he was, he was. I was on his team and I was scared when I was on the ice with him. Like he was just, he was a madman, but he was such a good guy. And, uh, you know, being an older guy too, he had a couple kids and his wife was really nice. It was, it was probably one of the funniest years that I ever, ever played. Um, not only we had a good team, but we had just an awesome group of guys. We, Young Patrice Bergeron on that team as well. Bergie was, you know, he, that guy was incredible. Seeing him at 18, 19, was like, this, this guy is he was the best player I'd seen at that age. Uh, guy was just insane. So we had, you know, a good team. Our power play with with Coiner and and Hilby and myself, Bergie was. It was probably the best power play that I'd been part of. Just snap around. We were we, were, we did really really well. Um, like I said, it was just such a fun year. We we got along. Everyone got along really well. We spent a lot of time together off the ice, on the ice. We came out. We performed. But yeah, those guys that you mentioned, I definitely remember. And playing with Coiner again when I was at the island, it was he was such a funny guy. I really, really enjoyed uh, hanging out with him. So it was awesome to to see him again. And uh, he was probably the best guy that I ever, best player I ever played with. That never really stuck in the NHL for too long, um, unfortunately. Because man, that guy was he was so sick. And in the American League, he had a fantastic career. Um, but for whatever reason, he just didn't have. You know, wasn't 
able to stick there, but he was such a good player and he was such a good guy too. I, I loved uh, hanging out with him and seeing him when, I, when we were at the Islanders. So after the lockout, you know, kind of establish yourself in the NHL with the Boston Bruins, but I think we want to look ahead to your time in St. Louis, obviously spent a lot of time there, did have some success there, a 40 goal season. And some of the guys that, you know, we want to hear about playing with are, you know, Paul Korea and Keith Kachuk and, you know, I think there's a lot of stories about the Kachuk family out there, obviously, with his kids being in the NHL now. But Paul Korea is a name that I feel like we hear about every now and then as perhaps one of the more superstitious players in the league. So any memories of playing with those guys? And, you know, is it true that Paul Korea was maybe one of those more superstitious kind of guys? Oh, is it true? That's an understatement. This guy was, he was something else. He had, uh, the stuff that he would do was, like, he had things that were, he was pulling, I think he had, remember games, you'd have every eighth game was a skate, or every third game was a skate sharpening, every eighth game changed the, the plastic on his blades, and, you know, he'd have our, I think one of our equipment guys was almost, you know, exclusively at his, you know, beck and call, and as, and you, you're in the room wherever you are, and you hear Paul yelling, Ray, Ray, and, you know, he'd come running over, and, you know, Paul would, he would do, uh, you take like a millimeter off his gloves, you know, off the cuff of his gloves, you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't feeling great or something, but he was, he was one of the best guys, uh, not only to play with, but off the ice, he was just a fantastic person and you know, took care of young guys. And, you know, all of us, we got along really well. He's just uh, really, and it's unfortunate, you know, how his career ended with those concussions and getting hit, but he was such a good guy not only his superstitions, but his preparation too. It was just <laughs> the one thing that I, that I never got over or didn't understand was he would, he would never, he would never walk to the arena, regardless of where we were, where we stayed. He always took a cab. So when you play Nashville, you're maybe a 15 second walk to the arena. Like you're right across the street. And Paul would, would he would take a cab to the arena so we just never walk. He was he said one year he walked to the arena, he got shin splints, so he never walked anymore. So things like that were just he was extremely superstitious. He was obviously a you know Hall of Famer. The guy's a fantastic hockey player. It was so fun for me to play with him. I to learn and see how he trained and, and the practices were, were you know where you got to see him, but the passes are on the tape all the time. And if we did passes and it wasn't on his tape, he just keeps skating. And he's yelling at me, put it on the tape and, you know, okay, you're right. Well, you do the same thing and he does it every time. And so he was just, he was so meticulous in his preparation and his training and everything. And, um, you know, that's a huge reason why he you know, had such the career that he did. Uh, again, on top of that, just, just a fantastic guy. And St. Louis too, like I, was, I mentioned in, in Boston, we had a lot of fun in Providence was probably the most fun year but st louis was probably the best group of guys that we had i know some guys that you mentioned some of the other guys that were obviously fantastic there too uh, when i first got traded there and then a little bit my first year and then he ended up getting traded, unfortunately but dougie Waite, who you know he was the first guy to call me when i signed with the islanders actually and uh you know tried to get me to to go there and you know he was i think everyone knows how dougie was and, uh, you know, not only a player, but a person. So he was a big part of why I ended up going to the Islanders. But these guys, um, like I said, the St. Louis guys, they were, they were such a – it was probably our tightest group of guys. With Walt there, you know, he was, you know, a bigger personality, bigger guy. 
but he had that that kind of presence about um you know he'd get on the plane and he'd get his meal first and that was the way that it was you know he earned it but he made sure you know he got his seat and he got his his food and he got this and that and um but he took care of guys too like he always he he was kind of the guy that and he was awesome with me he, he was you know one of the best guys with me but he was a guy that you know would show guys or treat guys you know this is the way that that you have to be in the NHL. This is, you know, you're a young guy, you got to kind of earn your stripes, show some respect. But at the same time, as an older guy, you kind of take care of the young guys. Like he was, he was awesome. Um, I love playing with him. You know, he, he was a lot of fun. Paulie, obviously a lot of fun. Um, there was a lot of guys there that we just had a really good time. Now you mentioned Doug Wade and, and how he was an influence on you signing. We were going to ask, you know, what was the influence that brought you to Long Island? But what else did you know about the Island and the Islanders before coming? Obviously, a lot of road players. You played a lot of games at the Coliseum. You probably just saw the Marriott in the parking lot. But uh, how much did you get to love Long Island during your time here? I, I had a really good time. I really enjoyed it. Um, again, where, where I stayed, uh, I lived in Manhasset. So my wife and I, days off, would just jump on the train and head into the city. And we love, love that city. It was, uh, um, one of our favorite cities to not only live, but to visit. Um, so that was a blast, but going in, um, I didn't know a lot. I knew, you know, obviously playing there. I knew, I knew of, of that. Um, but Dougie called me and he was kind of the first guy to call me and say, you know, that they wanted to sign me. Brent Thompson, you know, having him there too. Cappy, he was awesome. He was really good with me. Um, I really appreciated how, how he treated me. Um, and then Campy, like, again, I talked to Campy a bunch about it, you know, what his experiences were. So I was, he was the closest guy that a buddy of mine that, you know, I kind of gone there and lived there and, and played. Uh, so Campy was, you know, he kind of filled me in on, on everything. And I just, I actually really, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, you, you kind of hear the stories from the outside. So I didn't, to be honest, have the highest expectations, but I was really surprised at how, um, how well that, you know, the, the the team, you know, treated us pretty well. We had, you know, the guys were, were good guys. They, you know, they were younger, obviously with Johnny and, you know, I'm also a couple years younger than me. You got Bales and Oki and stuff, guys like that. So they'd kind of grown together and they were a tight group, but they were good with me and, you know, obviously loved playing with, with those guys, uh, you know, had some success. But the, the arena was the one thing that, you know, I didn't really know. And obviously the Rangers rivalry, that was uh, that was something to be a part of. Uh, it was just such a it was a, it was a fun year and it was a shortened year, unfortunately. But but it was a fun year. We really, my wife and I, really love living there and then staying there. You know the, the playoff series that we had with Pittsburgh. Uh, that was probably you know in Erie, which was fantastic when we won it. It was you know very tough to hear yourself think. You know St. Louis, we had some playoff games and that's you know typically a pretty loud barn. I think. The, that Islander playoff game was probably the loudest that I had been a part of. Like it was, not only couldn't talk to the guy next to you on the bench, but you could barely hear yourself think. It was just, it was so loud in there. And, you know, just having the size of what it was, the acoustics, the old barn, you're kind of on top of it. It was just such a, such a fantastic experience. And it was, like I said, it was probably the loudest arena that I had been part of. Um, at least on my side. So when you came to the island, I know that PA Parento had kind of skated with uh, Tavares and Molson the year, the couple years prior. So he had obviously gone on to Colorado at that point, was part of the cell, 
hey, you're going to get a chance to play with these guys? Or was it more just come in, we'll see where you fit? And if so, did that kind of also impact your decision to come to the island? Yeah, it was. Um, there was that, the talk of, of potentially the opportunity. And then um, the biggest thing was was me. Uh, you know, I played in, in Buffalo a few years before, and that didn't work out. So I just wanted to kind of go somewhere where I felt comfortable, I felt familiar. Um, and then with Dougie and Tomer, that definitely helped a lot. And the guys that were there, there was that, you know, you're potentially playing with, with Johnny and, um, you know, Molson. And then when I went there, I didn't end up starting with them, but I ended up, you know, obviously finishing with them and, and played a lot of the year with, with those two guys. But it was just, it was kind of for me an opportunity. I didn't know what to expect going into free agency. And they were kind of the first team that called. And, you know, I did. I just, again, I had that familiarity with Dougie and I I really, really liked and respected Dougie. So that was a big part of going there and just, you know, having a good year and then kind of seeing what happens from there. Um, But it was about the opportunity. I think that was a place where, you know, they talked about me getting an opportunity and then it was about me just kind of earning it. And I ended up, uh, you know, having having a decent year and, and obviously playing with some good guys. So that year too, you guys go on a really big run to end the season, kind of march to the playoffs, but you know, just a few games that might stick out from that season. Uh, you know, one of the ones that gets talked about a little bit around here was early in the year. You guys are in Montreal down, I want to say, 2 nothing and 3-1, come back and win that game in overtime. And one of the things that, you know, I don't think Greg and I will, I definitely wasn't there. I'm not sure about Greg, uh, is that during one of the TV timeouts of getting to Bakov came by the bench and kind of, you know, I don't know if he said, I don't, I don't know what he said. It was kind of looked like a, Hey, you know, wake up or what are we doing here? Just kind of get back in the game. You guys come back and win that game. So, Hey, do you remember that? I know it's a very specific memory from a game almost 10 years ago now, but you know, any moments like that stand out from the season and just, what do you think keyed that run in the second half? Yeah. I don't remember that one specifically, but I remember Nabby and I know his personality and how he was, you know, he was a pretty funny guy. Thomas Hickey won it in overtime. That was his first career goal. If that if that helps at all, trigger that memory. That, Thomas Hickey scored his first career goal in oh, overtime. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, if that triggers any memory. I'm sure he probably went crazy. He was a pretty fun guy. He's a lot of energy. No, I'm, I don't remember it specifically. But uh, that year, I, I just there was a lot of um, again the the Rangers stuff was kind of the big the big games, and that was. Um, that was big memories because I hadn't experienced that stuff before. I'm trying to think there if what it was. I, I remember that at the end of the year where we did go on that run and, and kind of we're real hot getting into the playoffs and going up against Pittsburgh. There's kind of this, um, you know, did they want to run into us? Did teams want to play us? Cause you know, we were doing well. Um, but it was almost just like everybody kind of figured out their role. They all chipped in at the right time. You had, you know, the right guys doing the right things. We had we had Bolts there who who was you know he played his role really well when we needed it and Carts those guys we had um, oh there's uh, Andy or um, Marty Reisner he was he was a character and and I love playing with Marty he was a really funny guy so those guys were kind of older guys also role players but they just like chipped in a lot and that's when your team becomes good and you start to win when you have kind of everyone chipping in and, and you know, whether it's a timely fight or a timely, you know, block or face off or whatever, everyone just kind of seemed to have done that. And whatever reason, how that, that ended up getting that clicked, that's what it was. And 
No, I don't, like I said, there wasn't a specific, I remember a lot of, you know, just certain plays and, and, um, but the game specifically and, and what happened and why we end up turn that corner or what clicked, uh, I don't really know if there was anything specific. I don't remember too much about that. So into the postseason against the Penguins, you split in Pittsburgh and in pretty dramatic fashion because game one, unfortunately, did not even go close to your way. But game two was a bit of a comeback win. And a lot of players will still credit the Kyle Oposo fight as the turning point in that series, which made it a series. Did you guys understand really coming back after game two what the Coliseum was going to be like for game three? Because it was the first time it was going to see a playoff game in six years. No, for me especially, no. I, I had no idea. And that's where – and Oki, too, I remember him. And that's what I was thinking. Not only that, but he had some timely goals, too. Um, got a couple of bounces on a couple of goals. But it was – you know, he had uh, – you know, he was a big part of chipping in in, in different ways. Um, I definitely remember that fight, too. And it was – you're right. We got lit up the first game. It was like, okay, well, it was going to be a four straight kind of thing. And then, you know, we bounced back and, and did well. And, and I think – Going to Coliseum because we ended up staying at that, that Marriott and we walked across the parking lot and it was, you know, the tailgating going on and he kind of was like, okay, this you know, could get a little wild. And then getting in there was like, it's one of those things where you are, you're so full of adrenaline and, and you're so jacked up and you're ready to go. You, you, you got to really be careful. And, you know, there's a saying, keep your emotions in check kind of thing. And this was one where you had to do that because you were so fired up and, we're in the first couple of shifts and I'm not a big bruiser by any means, but just chipping in, just trying to run guys. And that's not necessarily my game or whatever, but you just have that feeling of, you know, if you do anything to just try and get that, that roar of the crowd again, going and, you know, you, whether you go to hit a guy and just make sure your stick slashes the glass or something to make it sound big and people go wild. And, but I just, I remember that was the biggest thing. I just remember that the crowd, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And even the dressing, you could hear them in the dressing room and going out there was, it was definitely, you know, that goosebumps tingly feeling that you had. And I also, you know, unfortunately for us, but you really got a, a sense. And I'd played with, with Sid in the world championship. So I knew him a little bit and, you know, what he could do and how he can play. And he's obviously had a, a great career up to that point, but you saw him really turn that switch on and saw him do things that he doesn't typically do all the time that you need to win. And a guy like that was, it was interesting to, you know, like I said, unfortunately it was against us, but you see a guy like that and how well he, he was and how good he was and, and just how big a part of the team he was. And that was something that was, that, that was looking back on it now. It was kind of cool to see, to be part of, but wish that we had ended up, he did the same thing, but we ended up winning. That would have been much better. So that Kyle Oposo breakaway goal on Marc-Andre Fleury in game three was Really an exciting goal. I remember being in the building for that game. Uh, awesome. But another goal that really stands out is in game four. It's a John Tavares goal that you played a pretty big part in uh, setting up. Uh, you know, I think you were able to kind of prevent the Penguins from leaving the zone. You get it over to Johnny, he takes a couple of whacks at it. And I think that held up as the game winner. So, you know, what do you remember about that goal and that game specifically? Brad Boyd, good angle, gets it to Tavares, and then look at the hand to his backhand, back across to his forehand, and stays with the rebound. Billy does a nice job occupying Martin, driving the front of the net. And the Islanders come back and take the lead again, 5-4. 
I, I remember that one for sure. That was, uh, I remember that play. I remember getting it, getting it kind of, I guess, coming in from the right side and, and getting it over to him. You know, it's kind of weird because you have some plays which you, you remember specifically, and other times it's more of like, you know, it's a, like an umbrella kind of feeling where you, you just remember a general sense of how things were. Again, my goal was to do what I can for the most part to get Johnny the puck and kind of let him do his thing. So that was always kind of what I was trying to do. So in that instance, for sure, that, that was kind of my goal, you know, take the shot if I have it, but you know, I know, I know who I'm playing with and uh, it was, you know, get out there and just, just create opportunities. And, you know, obviously we would have liked to have done more, but uh, that play was great. It, it kind of just, you score that goal, you see I don't know, the reaction of the guys, but that just fed off the, the, the fans and the crowd and, and the noise. And, and, and that all comes into play because of the situation that it is and, you know, being part of playoffs and, you know, being in a big game and things like that. But that just, you know, when you need a guy like that, again, I mentioned Crosby, the other side, you need a guy like Johnny who, you know, this was his first playoffs and, you know, guy was a stud already. So you get him to, okay, his is his sense, his, his first kind of taste of playoffs to make sure that he is, you know, again, not getting too crazy with, with the emotions, but at the same time able to play his games. You don't want them getting in his face too much. You want him to have his, his space and kind of do his thing. There's like all these, you know, the gameplay, the, the, um, the tactics that go into all these games and, and how to do it, how to play it. But you get this preparation and everything, and it just comes down to just playing hockey as, as best you can and, and you know, using those emotions to, to your advantage. And, you know, whether it just makes your legs feel like nothing, whether, you know, you don't have to think about things, you're just going and trying to play. Whatever it was, it was a, it was a great uh, playoff experience for, for myself. That year on the island would have been Mark Streitz last year as captain of the Islanders. So just wonder what kind of captain he was. He was great. Like I didn't know a lot of, of him. I knew of him. I didn't know a lot about him going in. And he was actually a really good captain. You know, he had, he had Dougie there, obviously, who I knew had a big influence. You had him you know, helping Johnny, kind of grooming him a little bit. Then you had Strider, who you know was older, kind of you know found his footing a little bit older in later in his career. Uh, I didn't realize how good a player he was, how smooth he was, how his vision was so good. He was fantastic, fantastic player. And he was a great captain in the sense that he was, you know, not a yeller screamer, but just talking to guys. He would set by example, you know, the way he played the game, played it properly. And, you know, you could just count on him to make the right play at the right time. And in off case, he was, you know, he was actually a pretty funny guy. Uh, I got along with him really well. And he was... He's just like a genuinely really nice guy and guys, guys respected him. And I think that's a huge part about being a captain, whether you're a yeller screamer, whether you don't say anything, whether you show by example, whatever it is, he was a guy that just guys respected him. He was a nice guy. Um, he went out and did his job. He, um, you know, never belittled or, or yelled at anybody. He just, you know, as a collective group would talk to us um and guys guys respect them you know guys knew john who johnny was and you know kind of the weight that he carried and where his career was going and what he was going to turn into but i think a big part of of how he turned into a captain was was from strider too just the way that he conducted himself he was he was awesome like i said just just a really good guy too 
And Brad, another one of the biggest personalities, I think, that has come through the Islanders over the last decade plus has to be Evgeny Nabokov. And you also got the chance to play with him for that one game in San Jose, but you came back to the island and was his teammate for another season. So what was it like having Nabby around? He was a fun guy. He was a great goalie to be on your team. So, again, I was, I was very young, just played my first game, was in training camp there. Um, Nabby was – you know, he, he was always obviously established and, and had a great career. Um, so coming to the island, obviously knew him, and you know, we weren't. I was never there that long, so to get to know him that well. But he, you know, treated me like we had known each other for a long time. So it was nice. There was no awkwardness. It was we kind of ran into him. We was able to talk a little bit about the the short time, at least that I was in San Jose, and some of the guys there. But Navi was he was such a fun goalie on your team. Uh, mostly because of practice. Like there was this, if you scored on him, I used to love rubbing it in. And then when he'd make the save, it was vice versa. So he had that relationship, which actually made it more fun, not only a little bit more competitive, but also made it more fun because you could joke and you could laugh and you can you know, rub it in. He's not going to take offense to it. And he's not going to get mad and like, break his stick or anything like that. He would take a shot up high. You know, he, he was good about it. He, Obviously, like any goal, he didn't want to take any shots to the head or anything, but but he wasn't the kind of guy that – I remember I did it – I think it was when I was coming with the Leafs in training camp or even when we were skating, I hit Ed Belfort in the head one time, and I was like, I wanted to like get off the ice. I was so scared, this guy. He was a couple screws loose. So, Navi was not that kind of guy. Like, you know, he just – you know, he understood that's what it was. He make sure you don't do it again. Uh, but he was such a funny guy. And, and the good thing about him is what you realize, too, was – in those situations, like in playoffs or in important games, he'd been in them before. So you really see that experience and, you know, what he says and how he conducts himself and, you know, how to tell other guys how to prepare for it and, and things like that. So that's where for him, it was, you know, his, his goofy, funny personality on the one side. And then he's got his business side that, you know, this is what we need to do to, to try to win these games so just just an awesome funny great great teammate so your career wrapped up in toronto and another guy there another islander connection uh, a little more recent one is the man the myth the legend leo komarov and i feel like anytime leo's name gets brought up with a teammate or a former teammate people just they everyone has a story so i'm curious just do you have any good leo komarov stories for us so i have any good leo stories he was a different guy for sure. He, um, I never understood why he wore a visor. And that was stuff that we talked about. Like, why are you wearing a visor? It does nothing out there. I, I think um, his helmet was wearing the visor more than he was. It really was. Like, we never understood why are you wearing this, man? Why are you going to take it off? Um, but Leo was just such a, he was such an interesting guy. And there they had, you know, Nas was there and, um, you know, Kadri, uh, Fanuf, Bozak, like these guys were pretty tight. They'd been there for a few years. He had that, that sense about him that there, there was nothing that was the end of the world, right? Like he just has that personality that, well, that's okay. No problem. Don't worry about it. We'll get him. And he goes on the ice and you'll, you know, run guys and, you know, some borderline plays sometimes and hitting guys in different sometimes vulnerable positions, but not not maliciously. It's just the way he played. And guys would come and try to fight him and punch him in the face. And all of a sudden, just whatever, I'm just playing the game. Like, it just, there was no worries with the guy. He was so, like, nonchalant, 
it's not the works. I thought that's not the way he plays at all, but just his personality. He was a fun guy. Like at that, I was the oldest guy in the team with the Leafs, surprisingly. So there's a lot of young guys. And at that time, I just kind of, you know, kind of sat back and just sat in the room and just watched these guys. And, you know, the bigger personalities, they're just fun to watch and just kind of sit around. And, you know, him and Fanuff would get in yelling matches all the time and just stuff like that. And, can, and it was nothing, just, you know, whether playing cards or he was a big card player. So it's, you just lose a hand or, you know, yelling at Dion and, you know, Dion, because Dion could be pretty intense sometimes. So Leo knew how to poke the bear, so to speak. But yeah, he, he loved to play cards and uh, he was just, he was just kind of a fun guy. And then the way he plays too, he just, he just doesn't care. He goes out and just plays the way he has to play. The way you talked about being nonchalant when he first came to the island, Matt Martin had obviously played with him the year before in Toronto and Marty knows the island a lot better than Leo did, especially before he came here. I think Marty told me that Leo asked him to go look at a house for him or an apartment. And without ever seeing it, he's just told Marty, like, if you like it, just get it. Yeah. Like that's the place. And you're thinking, really, you're going (laughs) to just sign a lease for a place you've never seen or stepped into. Look, okay. That's Leo. That, that that's it that that sums it up that's a that's a great uh great way of describing it just no problem all right just 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 no no cares no worries it's great how about one other leaf teammate of yours that was also an islanders teammate michael grabner having him around <laughs> it was nice actually having grabs because you know going there i was a new of guys and didn't know a lot so you got to play with pa which is good he had a great year um, he did really well, but Grabs, Grabs was, you know, his wife is so nice. So it was, it was great playing with him again. You get to, you get to see, you know, the, the skills that he had that not a lot of people have. And most of that is, is that speed. So it's so fun to see him skate out there again. And just, you know, every game he's going to get a, a shorthanded breakaway and the same thing he still did. And, you know, he had a good year and he had actually a couple of good years there. But, you know, Grabs was, was a really, really nice guy. And, uh, yeah, I got along with him pretty well. And I guess just, you know, post-playing career, uh, I assume you're living up in Toronto these days or back in Ontario. But, you know, what's Brad Boys getting up to now in retirement? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm from Mississauga, so I'm here. My wife's from here. All my friends and family are still here, so it's nice. I was able to kind of come back here to this central location. Uh, but, no, I'm in real estate. So I got a construction company. You know, we do custom homes. I own real estate. I invest in it. So I'm pretty heavily involved in, in that area, which, you know, keeps me busy. I had a couple, two of my really good buddies. Um, that's a work for me, but, you know, work. it's kind of a weird scenario. You know, they're, they're much better at this stuff than I am. So they work for me, but they tell me what to do. So it's kind of a, uh, it's a bit different where, you know, you tell your boss what to do all the time. And I got to listen to them because, again, they know so much more than I do. But I, I really enjoy it. not only to, you know, get to, you know, hang out with my buddies. And they're like, these guys are, you know, work machines. They they tell me a lot of times to leave them alone because, like, all right, you know, it's lunchtime. Let's go grab a beer or something. Let's just relax. Like, no, we got too much work to do. We got to, like, all right. So they're great, I don't know, great friends, but great, great guys to, uh, you know, work with the business and, and make sure that it's, uh, that we're doing you know, what we're supposed to do and hitting deadlines and all that stuff. But I get to learn so much too, you know, running the business, doing tax stuff now, you know, learn about that, uh, learn, learn about just construction in general. So I really enjoy it. It, it keeps me busy. Um, it's fun 
you know, our environment's a, it's a fun environment. You know, we play hockey with these guys too. So they know that, that kind of world. And so it's just, you know, try to keep that, that environment uh, for us so that we're having fun and, and guys aren't too stressed, try to take care of them and, and, you know, do some things that maybe other companies might not do. So I just, for me, it's about, and that's where I, I learned all that stuff and, you know, playing the game and having these guys like Dougie Waite and Cree and uh, Kachuk and, you know, Bergie and Dougie Lee or Brian Leach and, you know, guys that were older that really had influence on me. Jamal Mayers was another guy, a big influence. So, you know, these guys taught this to me and how to run it. And now I'm trying to do that in, in the real world. And sometimes it's because we've got partners that are you know, bigger developers and it's, it's sometimes funny going into a, you know, I guess quote unquote board meeting and, and they're really good guys and they're fantastic partners, but you know, I've got my, you know, locker room kind of keep it upbeat and, you know, business is business, but you know, we're all here. We got to enjoy it and stuff. So it's a bit of a different environment sometimes, but, but it's great. I like to you know, make sure we're having fun as we're doing this. And so I think it's, you know, some, maybe someone refreshing on their side too. Um, but again, it just for me, it keeps me busy. I'm learning a lot. I really enjoy it. And um, yeah, we just, kind of keep going and see where we want to grow this and how big we want to get and, and things like that. Well, Brad, thank you so much. This really was a lot of fun and uh, fantastic to hear some stories of some, some big names from the NHL over the last couple of decades. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I, uh, I'm glad to do this. I don't do too many of these things anymore. I just kind of, you know, off from the sunset, just sit in my little corner here, with my, my little world. So uh, it's nice to do these once in a while. I appreciate it. Well, thank you again for joining us on another edition of Talk at Isles. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you might listen. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Greg Picker here. And I am at Rightsway. You can follow all the latest info about the team on Twitter at NY Islanders and stay up to date on UBS Arena at ubsarena.com. A big thank you to our producer, Rachel Lusher, and to WRAQ at Hofstra University. And we'll see you next time on Talking Isles.